When Donald Trump ran for president in 2016, a lot of attention focused on how falling trade barriers had caused pain throughout the Rust Belt and other centers of manufacturing in the United States. Now, with Trump's trade war spreading more widely each month, the fallout is hitting many industries in the U.S. and around the world. On this week's episode, we look at how Trump's tariffs on Chinese imports, along with China's retaliation, are threatening America's great northern frontier of Alaska, a state that happened to vote big for Trump and Republicans in 2016. Welcome to Benchmark. I'm Scott Landman, an economics editor with Bloomberg News in Washington. Joining me in our D.C. studio is Reed Pickert, who's interning this summer as a reporter with our U.S. economy team. She recently wrote about how Alaska's seafood industry is getting caught up in the trade war. Reed, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Glad to be here. So, uh, Reed, why did you look into this topic? I started looking into this topic originally because we had just received the list from China of their retaliatory tariffs on the $34 billion worth of Chinese goods that the U.S. was putting on their products. So when I was looking at this list, the first thing that I noticed, well, when I was reading the Google translated version, the first thing I noticed was the amount of seafood on this list. And then the next day when I was on Twitter, I saw a tweet from Alaska Senator Lisa Murkowski on how the tariffs could impact the Alaska seafood industry. And the story was born. And when you were reporting it and, and looking into this, what struck you or surprised you the most? I think what surprised me the most was the sheer size of the relationship between the Alaskan seafood industry and China. So close to a billion dollars worth of Alaskan seafood goes to China each year, making up almost a third of all of the seafood exports from Alaska. And that was amazing. And it was a scale that I had not anticipated. All right. Well, we're going to find out more about those details from two guests who are based in Alaska and are highly knowledgeable about the state's seafood industry and its importance to the economy there. On the phone with us from the state capital of Juneau is Alexa Tonkovich. She's the executive director of the Alaska Seafood Marketing Institute. It's a partnership between the industry and the state. And also on the line, we have Ralph Townsend, an economics professor at the University of Alaska Anchorage and director of the school's Institute of Social and Economic Research. Alexa and Ralph, thanks for joining us on Benchmark. Thank you. Happy to be here. Very pleased to be here to talk about this important topic. So first, Alexa, we just heard a little bit about background on the seafood industry in Alaska from Reed here. Can you tell us some more about the size of Alaska's seafood industry, how much it employs, how important it is to the state? Absolutely. Um, the Alaska seafood industry is really a vital pillar of the state's economy. In, for example, 2016, we produced 5.6 billion pounds, an ex-vessel value of 1.7 billion, and a first wholesale value of 4.2 billion. It directly employs more workers than any other private sector industry in Alaska, 60,000 people directly employed by the industry, not counting multiplier effects. It's the third largest basic sector job creator after oil and gas in the visitor industry. And looking at national impacts, nationally 100,000 full-time equivalent jobs, 5.2 billion in annual labor income, 
and 12.8 billion economic output. So it's not only important for the state of Alaska, but I would argue important for the country overall. And Alexa, what are the main kinds of fish and seafood that come from Alaska's waters? Well, certainly we're well known worldwide for things like Alaska salmon, of which there are five different species. We're also known for crab. Um, King crab certainly gets a lot of publicity. Alaska also produces a ton of whitefish. The largest fish by volume is Alaska pollock, which you have probably had in a fish sandwich or in fish sticks or fish tacos. We produce flatfish, we have halibut, we have black cod, sable fish, multiple species of crab, cod. It's really, there's a lot of variety. There's also a lot of more specialty products like roe, scallops, sea cucumber, gooey duck. The list kind of goes on and on. And Ralph, I know that you've studied uh, fisheries and seafood for a long, long time. Can you put into context Alaska's seafood industry with other parts of either the United States or, or the rest of the world? Well, in terms of the United States, Alaska is far and away the most seafood-dependent economy in the nation. Uh, no state would come close uh, to the significance, and Alexa just outlined the size of the, the fishing economy uh, in Alaska. And it's, it's simply, uh, in many other states, fishing is visible. It's something that people know is there. But in Alaska, it, it is a, a base industry in the economy. So can you tell us about how it's processed in other countries like China and then sent back to the U.S. or to other countries? Yeah, well, China is our largest trading partner, and it's also a major reprocessing sector. So a lot of the seafood that goes from Alaska to China is, say, headed, gutted, frozen, and then is subject to further reprocessing in China, turned into fillets, turned into a retail product, um, some kind of value-added processing. And then it is sometimes consumed in the China market, but it is often consumed outside of China. So it's reprocessed in China and then re-exported either to Japan, to the EU, or back to the U.S. And partly that's just because of the, the processing capacity and the, the labor that China has um, that they can provide that many other countries cannot. So, Ralph, is this a more recent phenomenon, something that's happened in the last a few years, or is, or has it been kind of a few decades? How, how would you how would you put that into perspective? The first thing I would note is, uh, at a very high level, it's interesting that China is both the largest importer of fish uh, from the U.S. and China is also the largest exporter of fish to the U.S. And that reflects what Alexa was referring to: this very large volume of fish that flows to China for processing and then is returned all over the world, but including the United States. I'm not really sure the timing of this. This is something that certainly occurred over the last two to three decades. It's not something that happened uh, overnight, but certainly it's not, that is not something that would have been the case in the 70s or the 80s. I lived in China for a few years, and uh, there's definitely a large demand for seafood there. And uh, you know, I could see it myself and you know, understand the um, relevance of the industry. But we, we've also just established that you know, we've talked about how the seafood industry is very big for Alaska. It's, it's you know, far bigger than anywhere else in the United States. There's the reprocessing that goes on. China's the biggest importer and exporter of the seafood, as you mentioned. And now we have these tariffs, like Reed was talking about. We get this you know, big list in Chinese of all the products that are going to be subject to 
tariffs, and there's a lot of seafood on there. Senator Murkowski is tweeting about it. And now, just uh, recently, we've had some more threats of tariffs from the Trump administration to put tariffs on incoming fish from China. So what does this all mean for the Alaska seafood industry? How is it going to affect things? Well, I would say that the first point is, I don't think we really know because exactly how these tariffs are going to be implemented, both in China and in the U.S., is really not clear, I think, to, to, it's certainly not clear to me and some people in the industry I've talked with are still very unclear. And as we indicated, probably, we don't have a solid number, but probably uh, that fish that's coming from Alaska, probably 80 plus percent is going to be processed and re-exported. Right now, China has the equivalent of free trade zones. Much of this fish flows in tariff-free as long as it's then re-exported. And I don't think the details of exactly how that arrangement is going to be affected by the call for a 15% tariff on U.S. fish. I don't know if Alexa has a clear, if she has heard people in the industry that have a clearer sense of it, but the people I've talked to are very much we don't really know how this is going to affect us yet. I, I think that's true. I mean, certainly there are some impacts um, that we can imagine. We don't necessarily know the the scope and size of it. Um, I would also just say that you know, there's we're now talking about two different sets of tariffs, and the tariffs will hit different segments of the industry. So when we're talking about the 25% tariffs that China has placed on top of U.S. seafood going into the market. That's for domestic consumption. So that's going to hit companies that are really targeting the growing demand in China for uh, imported seafood, which is tremendous. And that's going to impact the good work that companies have done and the good work that ASME has done over a number of years to develop a demand for Alaska seafood in China. So that's one piece of it. The second piece, then, is the proposed 10% tariffs um, that USTR is proposing to place on goods coming back into the U.S. from China. And that will really hit the reprocessing sector that we've talked about and would, would basically be adding a tariff on U.S. seafood coming back to U.S. consumers from China. So, Alexa, with the tariffs, Alaska seafood exports have now gotten more expensive to one of its biggest buyers. What does that mean for Alaskan fisheries and fishermen and the people who deal with this every day? Well, I think, you know, I think the statement that it's sort of too soon to say how it would hit fishermen and processors is, is accurate. Um, certainly, it's causing a lot of confusion. The tariffs are already causing headaches, some canceled orders, um, some companies rerouting products. You know, longer term, it's hard to say. Seafood pricing is so global and there's so many factors that impact it that it's it's really hard to say from point A to B it will increase pricing by this much, um, though certainly it could have an impact on pricing. You know, it will likely have an impact on where companies are sending their products and whether or not that trickles down to the fishermen. It, it's really too soon to say at this point, but, you know, certainly in the heart of our salmon season in Alaska, having uncertainty is is not what anyone wants to hear. Ralph, I'm curious your thoughts on this. Uh, ha have you ever seen any kind of trade war involving seafood in all your years studying the industry? And you, know, you also mentioned you were attending a conference 
on global fisheries. Is this a hot topic right now? Well, well, two things, Scott. Scott, I'm only 67 years old, and I've, my entire life has been spent in the era in which we are lowering tariffs around the world. So this is a first in a lifetime for me, and I suspect it is for most people who are living today. You have to go back almost 100 years to see the kind of tariff change that this represents. Uh, in terms of the discussion at the meetings I'm currently at, Certainly, China was discussed, but it was really in this bigger context of, look, China is not only a major market for fish because of its growing population and growing uh, middle class, but also its role in this as the world's processor of fish and the importance that it has in the value chain. And it was really that long-term discussion of China's crucial role to the future of seafood around the world, rather than the short-run impact, which again, because of, as Alexa said, people just don't know exactly how that's going to play out. So in light of the recent tariffs, how feasible would it be for companies to move processing centers out of the tariffs line of fire? Well, certainly a lot of companies are looking at this and are sort of weighing different options. You know, there are other countries that do processing. Certainly there is some capacity in the U.S. Countries like Vietnam and Thailand are, are pretty significant reprocessing centers for seafood. But realistically, there are not too many options to replace the capacity in China um, for our products to be cut and repacked for consumers. We don't have that capacity or that labor force in Alaska. And then, you know, looking at Vietnam and Thailand and places like that, Shipping costs to those countries are higher than to China, and while there is a reprocessing sector, it's, you know, it's been a little slow to grow, and at this point cannot replace the volume that, that China does. And Ralph, taking a broader perspective on Alaska's economy, Alaska is, of course, also known for the energy industry. And if this trade war widens, we, we've had the president talking about how he's ready to uh, start putting tariffs on all of the Chinese imports coming to America. I'm sure China would easily ratchet up to 100% of American exports going to China. Does Alaska's economy stand to take an even bigger hit if these tariffs start going on onto oil and gas? Uh, Scott, would you mind if I back up and make a comment on the, the previous question about the ability to shift? Because I think I think the point is, if it became 20 or 30% more expensive to process fish in China, over time, people would find alternatives. Again, expanding places like Thailand and Vietnam. But the bigger picture is China knows that. China and the U.S. are in the stage of a, of a trade war, potentially, where they're saying, I'm willing to incur very big losses myself to retaliate. And you know that's not really the long-run response. In the long run, China is going to say, what's in our economic long-run interest? And it is not to impose a tariff on Alaskan pollock and Alaskan salmon so that that fish goes to Thailand uh, and Vietnam for processing. So I think this is very much like the rest of the trade discussions we're having. That is, how much of what's going on is posturing and what really happens in six months or a year is really unclear. And I actually, from talking to people in the industry, I think there's an appreciation of that as well. 
And what about the the bigger threat to Alaska's economy if you get oil and gas caught up in the trade war too? Well, there's two aspects. Oil prices, of course, are determined in a world market. It's a world commodity, and it's really uh, very difficult to imp for one country to impose a tax on a single country's oil exports because you'll simply shift oil markets around the world. There could be an issue in Alaska because Alaska is trying to build a liquefied national, natural gas pipeline from the North Slope to a port in southern Alaska. And at present, a primary partner in that is Sinopec, uh, the uh, Chinese uh, energy company. And I'm sure that this concern that we're ratcheting up of tariffs on natural gas in particular uh, from Alaska would severely impact uh, the economics of that project. All right. Well, this has been a really interesting discussion. Thank you for enlightening us about the seafood industry in Alaska. Alexa Tonkovich of the Alaska Seafood Marketing Institute and Ralph Townsend of the University of Alaska Anchorage. Thanks for being with us on Benchmark. Thank you for covering this. Thanks very much for talking with us. Benchmark will be back next week. Until then, you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal, Bloomberg.com, our Bloomberg app, as well as podcast destinations such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. We'd love it if you took the time to rate and review the show so more listeners can find us. And you can find us on Twitter. Follow me at Scott Landman. Reed, you are at? At R-E-A-D-E-P. And Alexa's Alaska Seafood Marketing Institute is at Alaska underscore seafood. Benchmark is produced by Topher Forges. The head of Bloomberg Podcasts is Francesca Levy. Thanks for listening. See you next time.